we're going to see Jesus as he is revealed in one of the minor prophets, the book of Micah. This is a really interesting uh, book in Revelation. And again, each book will be listed on uh, online for you to go and look at context and history. So I constantly am trying to bring that perspective as we get started so that you're becoming better students of the Word. We all are becoming better students of the Word. We're not just Christians who ascribe to a belief structure. Do you understand that? Let me just repeat it. We're not just Christians who ascribe to a belief. We, like, yep, that certain set of beliefs, that's what we ascribe to. But we are actually children of God. We are the expression. Our transformed lives is the expression that the kingdom of Jesus Christ has come in the earth, and we are reaching out then into the lives of others. And I'm going to show you today something that, to be honest with you, it'll be where I land. It'll be a pretty heavy conclusion. I, I've wrestled with it. But I felt like the Lord was just giving me this direction today, and, and I think uh, just as Pastor Nathan was sharing, our steps are really strategically ordered today as we pay attention. So the revelation out of this book, what I look for is I'm preparing and praying, and you know I prepare the message, but I have to take time to let the message prepare me so that it's really where it needs to be in terms of what I believe God wants to do in me and us and in all of us in the process of this. But I've, I look at the book and try and evaluate what is the real revelation of that particular book? And Jesus is revealed in the book of Micah in a way that reveals, and if you just understand the phrase, your history is not as powerful as your destiny. And, and the book shows this in a unique way. We'll see it. But, but I just I want to dwell there for a minute. Your history does not have the power to rob you of your destiny. Now, you, you need to hear this today because it's one of those things like, that's a phrase, yeah, I understand it, but I guarantee you not one person is excluded. Every one of us in this room are allowing certain elements of our history to rob us of our destiny, and today what we want to see is how to break that in Jesus' name and declare that our destiny will prevail Come on, stop judging yourself by your past. You don't live there anymore. We're moving forward in the purposes of God. God's purposes are more powerful than anything you've ever done in your past. So what we want to do is move forward in that and get a greater understanding and, and let some things go that maybe we need to let go. Uh, you know, it's just amazing. God is so awesome that he turns times when we stumble into a dance. Think about that. Like, how many of you stumbled before? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you stumbled before. Like, you made mistakes, and so that's us. You know, we've stumbled. Somehow God, in his grace, and his love, and his mercy, in his fatherly heart toward us, he takes those times when we stumble. And listen, instead of pointing them out and keep on rehearsing and going back over and over, instead of doing that, he turns it into a dance, and it becomes a beautiful expression of grace. And other people then begin to see that rhythm of your life, and they're drawn to this God who's so gracious and loving. I, I actually didn't uh, talk to Lexi about saying this, but, but I want you just to watch as I say what I'm about to say. She and Faith and Tracy probably as well. I want you to watch as I say, I am so sorry that I hit you in the nose that time. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I feel horrible about it. I still feel horrible about it. Did you see her response? I don't know if you can see, but she's just like, like, for real? Really? Because there was a time when she was really little, and we were walking off of the football uh, field, and, and there was a little girl that came, and there's music going, and the little girl was doing a cheer. And so I, 
I, you know, I get into stuff. Like, and so I, I'm like, you know, she's doing the cheer, and I got the music going on on the inside. And before you know it, I'm doing the cheer, and I've got my phone in my hand, and Lexi's standing right here, and she's watching, and she's, you know, her daddy is dancing, and it's all, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and when I did like that, I hit her in the nose so hard that it knocked my phone out of my hand and made her nose bleed. And obviously she cried, and how many of you know I did not win Father of the Year for that particular thing? But I mean, I've thought about that, so it's crazy still today. I will like look at her across the room and think about that time, and I just want to go over, and I've said it so many times that she... (laughs) She is just like, I figured she'd get verbal, like, because she is very aggressive now. Stop it! Dad, stop it! Get over it! Right? Like, stop rehearsing it! I don't even think about it anymore! You keep bringing it up! This is exactly how you and I are with God. Like, he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. Have you ever noticed that in Scripture? Like, east and west... It doesn't say as far as the north is from the south. I was kind of shocked. We actually traveled to China to uh, go over and see the shiftlets in Hong Kong and see a a missionary uh, orphanage that we support in Beijing. And we got on the plane. And I was thinking to myself, are we going to fly east or are we going to fly west? And, and, you know, if you've flown international like that, you know the screen pops up and it starts to show. And and so I'm watching as we kind of take off. And then we start going not east nor west. We went north. And as we're flying north, I'm thinking to myself, we, like, it's cold up there. We're going to fly over the North Pole. And and it was really cold up there, like 120, 140 below zero, it said, you know, on the, and so, like, you have any plane problem going north? You got big problems. And so as we're flying, there came a point where we were traveling north, and then guess what? We were no longer traveling north. We were now traveling south. But if you fly east, you will never stop flying east. And if you fly west, you will never stop flying west. Do you understand my point? He doesn't separate your sin as far as the north is from the south, which has a temporal value, a concluding value. He separates you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. It is absolute, total, eternal separation, never to be assigned to your life again. Let it go. Your history does not have the power to rob you of your destiny. And Jesus is revealed as this conquering king that comes in and removes our history out of the picture so that our destiny will prevail. I think I'm going to preach today. So Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says this interesting prophecy. Again, you know, Jesus isn't just a highlight of these scriptures. Jesus, he said, the scriptures speak of me in John 5. So here again, Jesus revealed every book. You, O Bethlehem, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past. What does that mean? whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Bethlehem, you're a small village, 
But a ruler is coming whose origin is in the distant past. Does anybody know who this is talking about? The king of kings and the Lord, Lord, who was like distant past in the very beginning, whenever the beginning was, that's about as distant as you can get in the past, who was and is and forever will be. And this was written 700 years. This is a prophecy to Bethlehem that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would be born in Bethlehem. 700 years before we find Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It's a fascinating prophecy, one of 330 prophecies of the first coming of the Messiah, phenomenal statistical uh, support for your faith. When you see all these things that could be spoken hundreds of years before they came to pass, Jesus is Lord. How many of you know Jesus is Lord? Why don't you say it with me? Jesus is Lord. Let's declare it. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. He is who He says He is. And Micah brings this message because you remember we're in this place historically speaking, where we, we've walked through the major prophets, which means they have bigger letters, and now we're looking at the minor prophets, which means they wrote smaller letters. That's the, that's the main difference to, to categorize those as we look at that in Scripture. And so here's Micah, and he's coming to Israel, he's coming to God's people, and he's having this conversation from God, and, and Israel has fallen, God's people have fallen under incredible judgment because of the consequence of their sin, consequence of disobedience. How many of there are consequences of disobedience? Uh, like, you make bad decisions, uh, we've said it, you know, you don't even need a devil if you make bad enough decisions to wreck your life. But the fact is, once you step into a place and you're no longer honoring the Lord, it really affects you, it offends your conscience. Have you heard about the, the little girl who had a whole bunch of candy and the little boy who had a whole bunch of marbles? And the girl said, give me all the marbles and I'll give you all the candy. And the boy took his marbles to his bedroom to think about it. And he took a few of his very best marbles out, hid them in the bedroom, and came back, and he said, okay, I'll give you all the marbles if you'll give me all the candy. She gave, her, gave him all the candy. They both went to bed that night. She was sound asleep. He was laying in bed all night long thinking, did she give me all the candy? <laughs> Do you want to live at peace with God? Do you want to live at peace with yourself? Do you want to understand the peace of God that prevails and guards your heart and guards your mind and creates and fosters an atmosphere where God's kingdom can expand, where you can explode with potential and literally impact your world and transform the people around you? Do you want to live that way? Then we've got to let go of some things. Listen, just because you can drive your car putting sand in the gas tank doesn't mean you should do it. You're going to get down the road a little further. The, the, the effects of sin are not going to be immediate and obvious and, and immediately destructive, but the wages of sin are death, and it is creating some problems in your carburetor. It is creating some problems in the mechanism of your engine when you're putting things in that should not be there. Wake up! Sleep well at night. Lie down in peace. And know that your conscience is clear with your God. Micah brings a, a wave of messages, three times, three, literally three waves of messages to the people of God. Each time he starts, each time you, you read this and you find it in Scripture in the book of Micah, you'll see he starts by saying, hear what God has to say. You're in a place of disobedience. Hear what God has to say. You've missed it. You've blown it. You've made mistakes. Hear what God has. He always starts with hear what God has to say, and he always moves people from understanding the consequences of disobedience 
into the hope of God's restoring power. He always addresses, when we see these three waves coming from Micah to God's people, he always addresses their consequences for our sin and disobedience, but there is hope in our future. There is history that exists, but there is destiny that's more powerful. Your history does not have the power, have I mentioned today, your history does not have the power to rob you of your future and your destiny. You can fulfill everything God has called you to fulfill. But every one of us have to learn to let it go and live again. I will promise you what I'm saying is far more important than any of us realize, myself included. You were not born to carry guilt. You were not designed to carry guilt. And when we allow ourselves to carry that guilt... In the same way, it frustrates my daughter to bring this up because I've brought it up so many times because our relationship was never designed to carry that. And it's like, let it go, Dad. Let's just have fun. Like, let's just be in a relationship together. How many of you know you can't even be in a relationship with somebody who wants to date you if they just keep on bringing up everything in the past? Everything, I'm rehearsing all this stuff. And, and, and many times it's like they can't forgive themselves, so they're not going to be able to forgive you. I just want to say all of us need to learn to let it go. Like the grace of God is sufficient no matter what the circumstances have been. Your history does not have the power to take away your destiny. So we see these prophets and they use their words so powerfully. And it's my hope today and my prayer this morning was that God used words to do exactly as these prophets did. They, they would arrive on scenes of ruins and utter spiritual disorder. And with their words, they would begin to rebuild. With their words, they would begin to restore everything that the enemy had stolen from God's people. With the words, the prophets of God would rise up and declare there is restoration of all the enemy has taken. And with my words today, because of the anointing of Christ and a prophetic declaration from heaven, I want to say that the power of God God is prevalent in this room, and he wants to restore everything the enemy has tried to take away from your life and your legacy. Your history does not have the power to rob you of your destiny unless you allow yourself to be deceived. And it is all too easy to live our lives distracted and to live our lives deceived, neglecting the things that really matter to God. Very important statement, might be on your card, I don't know, tweet it out, put it somewhere, write, use your lipstick, on, write it on your arm. Truth problems are the true problems behind our issues. Truth problems are the true problems behind our issues. Don't just believe everything you think. How many of you know vain imaginations get us in trouble? They didn't talk to me. Vain imaginations get us in trouble. I came home from work and we were in the house and he did this and she did that. Vain imaginations. Now, don't just believe everything you think. I, this is a crazy, I know it's going to make me look like a moron, but it's a great illustration, so it's okay. Uh, I went to a football game. My wife, and when I say that, that statement, she's just like, oh, God, help him. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to a football game. Our Destiny team was playing, and it was many years ago, B 
see before children. And so I'm at the game, and I'm the principal of the school, and rah, 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 we're doing it, you know, we're doing it. And, and like, I, when I pulled into the parking lot, it was packed, and I had to kind of park way over by these Highline wires. And it wasn't really a place to park, but I parked there anyway, and it was really close to the Highline wires. And I remember getting out looking at those Highline wires thinking, how do those things really affect us? Anybody have a, anybody have a wonder about that, like that much power or electricity going through? So then I go in the gate, and I walk over, we're on the visitor's side, and guess what? We are on metal bleachers, and I have to go to the very top under the Highline wires. And I'm, I wonder how these things affect us. Like, does it affect our brain? You know, I don't know, all that. Go through that. So I remember, you know, we're cheering, going through the game ends, and we won the game. It was so exciting. We all came walking out, and so we're talking. And, and, and I said, all right, see you guys later. And I get over to my car, and as I'm about to grab my car, I hear this, ooh. And I think to myself, what is that noise? Highline wires. I wonder if my car has become electromagnetized and is making a noise. I wonder when I touch the handle what it's going to do. And so I did that, looked around, nobody's watching, did, and it did. So I opened it up and I got in the car. And when I shut the door, it went from to and I'm in the car thinking, this is crazy. Like, I've, we've been electromagnetized, and, and, and I get it, I'm driving, and it's so loud, I turn my music up really loud, and, 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 I, and I'm just trying to drown out the noise, thinking, surely by the time I drive 20 minutes home, you know, it'll be done. And so I pull in, I turn off, turn off the car, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've you know, driven all the way home, and I'm still electromagnetized. Tracy is coming out of the house, I get out of the car, and before I can say anything, she goes, what's that noise? And, and I said, I don't know. I, I think I'm electromagnetized. <laughs> and she, she's just like, what? What are you talking about? And so I was wearing this big heavy coat and I opened it up. And when I opened the coat, it goes, Woo! and I thought, oh my God, I'm going to live the rest of my life having to be insulated to protect the sound because I've been electro. Anybody ever used to have a pager? <laughs> like back before the days of the cell phone, you had the little pager, and like if they needed you, it wasn't just, you know, whatever the number, it was 911, the number, right? It shows up on the pager. And when the battery goes low on the pager, it sounds like you've been electromagnetized. Just, <laughs> just putting it out there so you know. Don't, don't just believe everything you think. Like, that's crazy. Only an idiot would believe that he's been electromagnetized. How stupid can a person be, I wonder sometimes when I look in the mirror. Don't just believe everything you think. You hear me? And I set you all up to, to say a statement that is critically important that we understand. You might not even understand as you navigate through processing this. Temptation is not a sin. Like this wasn't even on my radar, but as I began to prepare the message, I felt the Holy Spirit say, this was a vitally important statement that he wants to make. Temptation is not a sin. 
Because this is the way it goes with me. How about you? Like temptation hits, and then I'm just like, oh, frustrated. There I am again dealing with temptation. And then that leads to discouragement. Discouragement produces despondency, and despondency leads me into places of giving into that temptation as if I had done something wrong because temptation came my way. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? I want to tell you today, temptation is not a sin. You don't, have you ever read in the Bible, you fall into sin, right? No. It doesn't say that anywhere. Now, it does say you fall into temptation, but let me just communicate to you. When you fall into temptation and then you grow discouraged for any reason, you know, you express any level of weakness to that temptation, you haven't sinned just because you're tempted. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you've sinned. So don't beat yourself up because, like, you don't even need a devil if you start beating yourself up just because you're tempted. Temptation is not a sin. I'm going to prove to you temptation is not a sin. But that temptation hits you, and, and it's like the Bible says you fall into temptation. Like, you're walking along, and life is there, and like, boom, you fall into temptation. You don't walk along, life is good, and boom, you fall into sin. It does, it's not biblical. You fall into temptation, and then through a process of the way you're thinking, you actually strategically plan out how you're going to fulfill that sin in your life. We are very strategic sinners. Would you agree? Like we're figuring out how we can get away with it after we've given, our, given into that place of temptation. Temptation is not a sin. This is, Micah actually addresses this. Woe to those, Micah 2.1, woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. They planned it out. They purposed it. They strategically set that plan into motion because they fell into a place of temptation, and then they gave themselves to temptation. Once you give yourself to that place of temptation, then you're going to begin to plan out your sin. You fall into temptation, and just because you fell into temptation does not mean you've sinned. Temptation is not a sin. The reason we know this is because Hebrews chapter 4 says Jesus was tempted in every way that you and I can be tempted, yet was without sin. I mean, that's really liberating. That's like my history doesn't have the power to rob me of my destiny type revelation right there just because temptation comes. Like, how do you respond in a moment of temptation? Because if you get alone and you just kind of cradle it, it's very problematic. That's where it starts to take root. That's where it starts to produce something. You don't want it to produce. But if you will open up and you'll tell somebody, hey, uh, I'm really struggling with this right now. Struggle, I mean, just being honest, just struggling with my attitude toward you. Just struggling, you know, in this situation. Just struggling with something that happened. I, I uh, had a, a situation where we were out shopping, and I've shared this before, and it's good for you to, to hear this type of conversation coming from a pastor. That I mean, we all, I mean, you know, everybody deals with all kinds of issues going on all the time. And I'm, I'm in a store, and, and this young lady is there at the desk, and I'm walking through the store and Tracy's in the store next door and, and as I walk up to the desk uh, I, I say hey I had a question for you and she literally had this big gaping I just want to encourage you ladies don't wear big gaping things here okay she had this big gaping thing here and, and she and I, I think she did it on purpose I mean I'm not trying to say you know like I'm awesome or anything but but maybe she had big issues and and maybe I was electromagnetized chick magnet that day I don't know but there I am in that moment in time and I said you know I had a question and she leaned over the desk like this and said, how can I help you? And this big thing here is just like, whoa. 
And, and, and I was getting a show. And it would be so awesome if I said, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and I said, put something on, girl. You know, I, but that's not what happened. Like, I stood there like a deer in the headlights. Wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that's what was going on. <laughs> and so, snap out of it, you know. And, and I, I said, Excuse me. You know, I, I went to the store next door. I went and found my wife. And I said, hey, this situation just happened over there. Um, and I grabbed her hand, and I put it on my heart. And I said, will you just pray for your husband? Because I want to honor the Lord, and I want to honor you in the way I handle anything that happens like that in my life. Can I just tell you how liberating it is that we all get honest? Come on. Temptation is not a sin. How are you going to manage those moments of temptation in your life? Because Jesus literally comes, the, the, the man who walked on earth and faced all kinds of temptation and like broke through. Every single time he was faced with temptation, he turned to the Father instead of the sin. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. And then Micah says this, Micah 2.13, your leader will break out and lead you out of exile. Your, oh, this is good. Your leader will break out and lead you out of exile, out through the gates of the enemy cities, back to your own land. Your king will lead you. The Lord himself will guide you. I just want to say this over and over. This is the value of memorizing Scripture. I want to say to you, Destiny family, your king will lead you. Your Lord himself will guide you. This king who knows what it is to conquer every moment of temptation will lead you and will guide you. He's, a, he's an amazing, amazing king. Jesus is here to break us out of wrong ways of thinking, to lead us into right ways of thinking. He's here to break us out of wrong ways of thinking. Don't give in to wrong ways of thinking. It'll perpetuate something. I mean, no, practice makes perfect. Be careful what you practice. Interesting, in your blank, write it in. Both words, darkness and ignorance, come from the same word origin. They're born from the same word origin. That's why you watch a cartoon, you know, and like somebody has an idea, and what does it show? The light bulb come on. Why? Because in the same way, darkness and ignorance are from the same word origin, so are the words knowledge and light. To be enlightened is to have an awareness or knowledge. And so Jesus is trying to lead us out of darkness, out of ignorance, out of wrong ways of thinking, into light, into illumination. He's the light, into an enlightened way of thinking, understanding more of what God's wonderful plans are. How many of you know you are your own worst enemy? How many of you said it before? I'm my own worst enemy, right? I just want to tell you today, if, in case I haven't mentioned it, your history does not have the power to rob you of your destiny. Yes, we've made mistakes. But because we know his heart, we watch in hopeful expectation, anticipating Jesus will come, not because we are so lovable, but because he is so loving. He is so loving. He doesn't, 
He doesn't love us because we're valuable. We're valuable because he loves us. That was your blank, by the way. You want to make, make sure you give that in. People come afterward and say, what was that blank? He doesn't love us because we're so lovable. He loves us because he's so loving. And so we watch, and because we understand that, we watch in hopeful expectation for victory to come our way. And, and Micah speaks of this, Micah 7, 7 to 8, one of my favorite verses of Scripture of all time. As for me, I watch in hope. But as for me, I watch in hope for the... I, would you mind? Let's all just say this out loud. Can we just read this together? But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Say this loud. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in ignorance or darkness, the Lord will be my knowledge or light. Though I have fallen, I will rise. My history does not have the power to rob me of my destiny. My mistakes do not have the power to hold me back from everything God wants to accomplish in my life. In fact, every time I stumble, God turns it into a part of the dance, and people around me see this gracious dance going on in my life. Not because I'm perfect. Not because I'm perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. The original sin of humanity was the pursuit of perfection. Adam and Eve wanted to be perfect like God. Stop trying to be perfect. Just start being humble. Just start surrendering yourself to Him. Do not gloat over me, my enemy, though I have falling. I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I, I, I promise you I've said that verse 60 million times in my life. In moments when I was disappointed in myself and I would just somehow in ashes of defeat find and I would just say, Micah chapter, I didn't even understand the history of the book context, I just knew this. Micah chapter 7 verse 8, do not Gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because of Jesus, we can be defined by our destiny rather than our history. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. With Jesus, destiny outweighs history. Blessing outweighs burden. Purpose outweighs pain. Crown outweighs the cross. Hope outweighs hardship. And grace outweighs shame. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. I just have really good news for you today. Jesus is a wonderful king revealed in the book of Micah as the Messiah who would come. He would conquer every moment of temptation in his life, and then he would personally lead us into places of great victory, taking us out of shameful, horrible, dark, ignorant ways of thinking into victorious, gracious, enlightened ways of thinking. He's really worthy of our praise. I slipped this one in earlier. I don't know if you caught it, but it's your final blank. Stop judging yourself by your past. You don't live there anymore. That's not where I live. People who knew me then, I'm not worried. I mean, people who knew me then still say things like, what? I knew you. I knew you when, Right? People who knew me then, if they don't know me now, then they don't know me well. I've experienced the transforming power of God Almighty. I'm a part of the expression that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is alive and well in this earth. And we're going to see more people walk that out. You and I are enlightened 
to enlighten others. We're enriched to enrich others. This is a year of enrichment where we'll be enriched by God so that we can enrich the lives of others when we become generous like Jesus. So I want to challenge you, your action point this morning. You're God's presence for real life. That's what we're trying to do. Take God's presence. Have you experienced his presence today? We want to bring application for real life. It's pretty simple this week. I want you to be inspired by God. Just purpose to be inspired by God every day. Everybody seeks God different ways. But I am really asking you, jump on board with the idea of getting an old-fashioned Bible, starting in the book of Genesis, and every day turn the page. Write the date at the top of the page. Special events, whatever, you know, met her today, got married today, all that, you know, just anywhere in your Bible. Just write little special marks. You don't have to write profound theology. It just becomes I'm reading my Bible and I'm spending time with Jesus. Every day, turn the page. Just be inspired by God every day. You can do this digitally. You just won't have the heirloom in hand to give to your children, your children's children. That's why I keep coming back to it over and over. Here's the heavy I told you I was going to land on. And again, I I took this out of my message this morning, and I just felt the Lord said, no, it's important. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. Like, we're going almost to the very end of the book. And Revelation 20, 15 says this very important statement. I want you to think about this and think about the ramifications of what I'm saying. This isn't like fairy tale land. This is real stuff. This is anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. It's kind of a heavy thing to land on today. Like we're all inspired. But the reason I want to do it is because I think it is really important for us to understand something. How many of you believe there is pending judgment because the wages of sin is ultimately death and we aren't going to dance around that when the Bible says it so clearly we're going to have to address it. Right? So we're either all together on that or some of us are on it that but I just promise you this that is who we are as a church we believe everything the Bible has to say about the love of God the grace of God we also understand pending judgment is inevitable we have a very important job to do here and I'm about to show you something that I think is going to be a real wake up call for you because like how many of you in this room you know who Jesus is you follow Christ can I just see raise your hand you've given your life to Jesus like that's probably all of us most of us because after this, that means we're going to not be, you know, face that judgment. We're, because of the blood of Christ, we're, we're good eternally. But I just want you to see something. That judgment is a really, really terrible thing. Because that's Revelation 20:15. If you go just a few verses later, I want you to hear me. It says, then, everybody say then. Then he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. I believe that you and I are going to witness this incredible, horrific scene. And we are going to see people that we knew. Are you all hearing me? I believe we are going to be Weeping. I believe weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. I believe that's not just the people who didn't know him. I believe it's the people who did know him that watched those that we had the opportunity to reach into their lives, to love, to serve, to give, to make a difference. 
And because we were distracted, because we were so caught up in our history that we couldn't be pulled into a place of destiny where we stand up and make a bold declaration that Jesus is Lord because we've made mistakes, because we were unable to do that, because we were unwilling to do that. I believe we're going to face tremendous mourning like grief like we've never known before. And then he'll wipe the tears from our eyes. So let me just say, when we gather and like we're encouraged today to, to understand the purposes of God must prevail, then when we walk out of these doors, we've got to let all the stuff go that's trying to captivate our attention and keep us from the mandate that we have to live every moment of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year that God graces us to have on the planet. We've got to let everything go that would hold us back and get out there and love outrageously. Like that ought to be a motto here. Outrageously love people everywhere we go. Serve just crazy serving, reaching into people's lives, not with some ulterior motive, but just that's the nature of God expressed to us. Give, being irrational about the way we give and help other people around us. We've got to do that. Do you understand how important this is? When we gather here, like, man, I'm excited about last Sunday. That's some, that's, I had several people online saying that was the most powerful baptism service I'd ever been to in all my Christian life. There was something so unique happening in this room. It was amazing. And I'm so excited about it. And then I thought about how Jesus, after feeding the multitude, immediately told the disciples, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. We're not going to dwell on all that God did yesterday as the fruit of, of, of God's faithfulness in our lives. We're going to look to even more. I believe there are another 50 to 100 people who need to come to know Jesus and take a step forward, have bondages broken in their life because their history does not have the power to rob them of their destiny. And you and I are the carriers of that message. None of this happens if we don't gather as a family and make a difference as a family. So let's stand. Our worship is significant. Like this isn't the, okay, it's over time to, you know, pick up your stuff. And no, I want to ask you, engage in what God wants to release in the atmosphere of your life, of this room, of your future, of our city, of our community. Our worship is really, really significant. Like, I mean, you, you do understand the magnitude and the gravity of what I'm talking about here. This concluding point is pretty serious. Like, I'm, I'm preaching you up. Don't let your history rob you of your destiny. And then we got to understand, folks, our destiny is actually to sacrificially devote ourselves completely to everything God wants so that other people can come to know Christ. And this is exactly why all through the ages God has always made, and, and just hear me, because I'm going to unashamedly, boldly declare this to you continually, perpetually, because it's a part of the plan. All through the ages, God has always required of his people to gather, keyword, sacrificially, to serve sacrificially, to give sacrificially. 
this concept of a tithe and giving and all. And as soon as you start talking that, people kind of check you off. And I just want to tell you, God's plan is for the kingdom of God to advance and for our church family to be financially strong, full of love, full of strength, full of life, and in every way fulfilling everything God's called us fulfilling. Nothing happens to the ministry of this church without our willingness to give sacrificially sacrificially to show up love greet coffee kids all the things it takes tech there are people in a room back there behind that wall that you can't even see that are helping all this happen for people that are online so lord we bring our hearts before you i believe that as we enter into this time of worship there's something we're to release we're just going to take a few moments and i want to ask you to release something in worship if you're here and you say, man, I, I need to take a step forward in my relationship with Christ, there's communion at the back of this center section. It'd be a great way to go back and just pick up that little double cup and say, this cracker is the broken body and this juice is the shed blood of Jesus. And I receive today that he's the savior of the world and I need him as my savior. It'd be a great thing for you to express his sacrifice. If, if you're here to, and you came prepared to give as an expression of worship, you can go to the, the giving stations at the back and, and like it's warfare declaring God's kingdom is advancing as we come together and we support orphanages and do all the things we're doing locally. Lord, let your kingdom advance, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Help us to understand that this is more than just a nice little religious message. This is about a relational God who came to rescue humanity, who made decisions to fall away in relationship with God. And Jesus literally gave his life and died, laid everything down so that we could find a way to be rescued as we discover the plan that you have. Lord, we worship you as a result of that. We declare that Jesus is alive today. We want to press in and make that bold declaration in Jesus. Jesus name. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Take a few moments before we conclude and just press in and worship the Lord your God.